Good evening, Melroseans the world over. I'm Tom Catalini. I'm Tom Shampoo. And I'm Gina Martinez. I'm the and voice behind the voice. Yeah, hey, that's right. Yes. Honored. Honored this to have you. Is Let's talk Melrose. Melrose, a show where Melroseans talk to Melroseans about Melrose. And we do have the golden voice, lead singer of Artisan Cheese, featured in the theme song here in the house. Gina, it's so great to have you on the show. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> and now I know how Tom Shampoo really spells his last name. Oh, there you go. It's a, it's a trick, isn't it? It's a, it's a difficult one. Very <laughs> nice. Yeah, I like that. Oh. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. Thanks for being yes. here. Long overdue. Thanks for singing the song so wonderfully week in and week out. I don't know if your voice gets tired, but we're playing that thing at the beginning of the show, at the end of the show, all um, week. You know, it was funny. Like a week or two ago, one of the comments on the show was actually somebody was looking for the song on Spotify. So we have to figure out how to... Uh, how to get it get it loaded yeah. up? People want to jam, jam out to it. Somebody yeah. wants to roll their windows down in the car and sing that song all the way down Main Street, man. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh, we'll make dozens of dollars. <laughs> at least, at least, yeah. I think uh, you know if you're going to jam out to it in the car, we might have to get it longer than thirty seconds. So we'll have to work on the extended version and the and then the remix and and sure. go the Swedish disco remix. Yes. Right. Ah, so, all right, Tom, how you doing this week? I'm doing well. It's two Toms this week, two for the price of one. And Gina, thank you very much for being here. I'm okay. Uh, it's a it's a tricky week. It's a challenging week for a lot of people, and I think um, uh, rightly so. You know, it, it was a difficult week last week, uh, last Wednesday, um, at the U.S. Capitol. Um, I think a lot of people are still processing, myself included. Um, we're still watching the news every day, trying to understand this. And so, um, you know, I, I think these are trying times for the U.S., but I do believe that this is the time that the U.S. can come together. We're dealing with a pandemic. We're dealing with uh, political issues. And um, I really am hopeful that the U.S. can come together the, the proper way and, and make sure that we can move uh, move forward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, um, so that was, a, our last show was Tuesday night, and then a Wednesday, thought it was going to be a routine day, maybe a long, boring with some procedural uh, interference in the process there, and then really all hell broke loose, and it yeah. was uh, horrible and riveting and concerning, and yeah, I've been glued to the news uh, really kind of almost 24-7 since then, and, it, and it's still unfolding, and we're still really trying to understand what happened uh it's just it's it, it's really it's not good um it's very concerning and i think it's um it is a time to come together but some of the stuff's got to be dealt with and i think um you know the folks down there are pressing forward and it keeps developing uh every day and i just uh yeah, it's very preoccupying and um it was uh, was good to see mayor broder put out a statement uh yeah try to localize that. And even he expressed struggle as a lifelong politician uh, yeah. and somebody holding public yeah. office. Like, you know, what do you say? And he's, he's hopeful that we can, uh, yeah. you know, find some unity on the other side of this. And I think we'll get there. I think it's going to be uh, a, a still a tough process and, and a, probably a bit of a road ahead. Yeah. 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 Gina, how it shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone. I mean, I think many people have, have commented that, um, it was shocking how unprepared 
uh, folks in DC were for something that should have been um, pretty predictable. Um, but who would have ever imagined that you'd see a scene like that? Yeah. Um, just, um, you know, my, my, my parents were immigrants and they just, um, I think they would have been heartbroken as so many of us were to see scenes like that. Um, it's heartbreaking and it's a miserable start for the new administration um, when really I know I, I want them to be as successful as possible and to put this all behind us. But it is hard to figure out how do you appropriately let this go without, um, or, or rather address it without getting bogged down in it. Right. I was glad to see, um, I'm very glad to see Catherine Clark's leadership. Um, uh, she uh, she was on CNN, she was on M M MSNBC, she was on some other channels too. And I think it's really important um, uh, to feel like our local politicians have a voice nationally. And she was really certainly using her voice and making sure that um, that the position of the entire party was heard and the reasons why were made known. So I really feel good that um, our politicians are speaking up. Again, Tom, you mentioned Paul with his op-ed piece. Um, that was very nice. And again, you're right. It was. It's hard to put into words entirely how we're feeling. But uh, again, we're kind of working through this together and see um, and then see where we are. So it's funny because we just seen Catherine back in the district uh, the weekend before uh, last right. Wednesday, and right. so you know it's nice to see her around town. And then it was shocking to see, I guess, like Gina, like you're saying, it's, it's uh, maybe it's not surprising, but it's still shocking. Yeah. And then to know she was in, you know, in the room and they were under siege and then to see the leadership emerge and pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, that uh, I was happy to see that aggressive tone. Like it is tempting to want a lot of things to be behind us and to move yeah. on. But this this shit's got to be addressed, and so I have appreciated her leadership, Tom. Like you're saying, and the the tone yeah. and the content, and it's just uh, at some point enough is enough. And um, yeah. no matter what's going on, even though there's a worldwide pandemic, a new change of administration, you know, the, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming, kind of what's happening. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, it, bad things got to be addressed, or they're gonna get worse. And even yeah. if this this won't be the low point if it's not addressed. Yes, uh, yeah. I was I was with a friend today, and uh, we were talking about this same issue. And I was commenting that it's really odd to feel like there's a global pandemic, and nationally in the U.S., where tens of millions of people have been in, in, infected, and 375,000 I think lives have been lost tragically, and it's not the top story <laughs> in the news. Right, um, isn't that crazy? There's a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just really, uh, it's really too much almost. So um, that I guess sets the 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 backdrop for our show, which is about the local news. But that you know that all trickles yeah. down affects us. We talked about that, and Dr. Kuchenberger needing to deal with uh, things at the school system level that should be dealt at higher levels, and so on and so forth. But let's uh, let's move on to the to the to the news. <laughs> Hello, John Hammer in Connecticut. Thanks for sending uh, yes. the hello. From we there. want to say hello to John Hammer in Connecticut. <laughs> Thinking about John. 
Um, so yeah, so speaking of, uh, of local news, there's a, a little more mundane, uh, uh, there's a number of things going on, one of the more mundane, but it's, it's this, this routine government stuff that ends up being pretty important over the long run if you want anything to get done. So I went to another DCR meeting. Tom, you and I went to the one that was about um, Linfels and Melrose Street over there. The the uh, the supposed rotary at the yeah at well, we jumped to the rotary conclusion. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Here. I like <laughs> so there's another meeting. Tell us down the other end uh, of Linfels heading into into Malden. Uh, you might remember it if you ever go come down Linfelsway uh, East and you want to take that left into Washington Street to Kanana Oak Grove, and that yeah by the mill up a big hill. So the cars yeah. are coming down you like what yeah. appears to be like 90 miles an hour. Yes. And you wait there, and when Can't you get it, yeah. you take that left. And if yeah. you're coming out the other way, you you get out to the stop sign and you turn your head like 180 degrees to see if anybody's coming down the hill. Like and to so wipe you out. Yeah. Live with, I go through that intersection all the time. I used to live on uh, on a street right off of the Fells there, and now I live a couple blocks in. So I've been going through that intersection. So the DCR held a meeting, uh, and it was interesting. It was really kind of a listening session to figure out how to improve that. And a number of neighbors were there uh, to, to give their experience. I shared my experience, which was kind of lightweight compared to some of the people that live there. I mean, they've had cars crash into the, the walls in front of their house. Uh, some of the things like I'm talking about the experience as a driver going through that intersection. They're talking about like, I'm afraid to walk my kids down this sidewalk with like a guardrail and all that. But uh, deputy engineer of something, uh, Jeff Parenti, our fellow Melrosian, was running the meeting. So we've got a guy who lives in Melrose and goes through that intersection all the time. Once again, uh, listening to the public and they, they did it in a way that they didn't have like a much of a presentation other than to listen. Although they did sketch, share some sketches of, of ideas and they had some cool, cool things like how you might really make some significant changes to slow traffic down over there. So all this stuff has to be designed, has to get funded, has to go on and on. But I always like seeing the process uh, right. in, in moving forward. Sketches are fun because it's kind of vision that we can get ourselves connected to. Oh, I like that idea. Or oh, I don't like that idea. But it's kind of good to see that stuff. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get some get some improvement. So, yeah. Gina, do you come down Fellsway East much? I, I do, but I'm probably the one who's like driving 90 miles an hour. Toughen up, Catalini. So what yeah. would slow you down? Yeah. <laughs> if the road got narrow, like they talked about one thing is like they put in a, a median thing and they, uh, I can't, I don't know the terminology, but they, there's basically things to make it narrow. So you, you yeah. have to slow down or yeah. are you, Gina, do you just thread the needle? You just. <laughs> I'm banking it on two wheels. Yeah. Close one eye and go. What the professionals call the design speed of the road. It suggests to you, the design of the road suggests that you can go faster and uh, it looks like a good suggestion to me, but um, yeah, I know we we should be a little more careful around these places. I, I don't like taking the extra points for humans. So that exact point was made, actually, uh, was that the road feels like you should be going faster, right? And there yeah, aren't any, are any cues. And if you're coming down that hill, you don't really necessarily know. You're coming out of the woods. You don't really know you're if you're not from around here that you're coming into a residential section. Right. But have you have Tom, maybe you've done this. Uh, you know, yeah. you the bells all the time. I'm you ever tried road. to cross that thing where it's you like, you look way to the left and it's clear. You look way to the right and it's clear. And then you get like halfway across and you're like, oh no, I might not make 
I do cross actually quite a bit because um, I sometimes will walk from my house and then I'll go up Aaron Street, yep. which comes out on the fells, just above that 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 Washington Street turn. So uh, Aaron Street's just above it. And if I walk, I'll have to cross the fells right there to go into the woods. And um, and, I, and I've got my dog on a leash. And so it, it is kind of like one step out into the street and then you're looking oh, at no. it and you're praying that someone like Gina is not coming over the hill. Yeah. <laughs> Like no, uh, like number one with a bullet. What was that movie? A bullet or something? Like a green movie or something? You know, it's like four wheels off the road and dropping down. So that Tom uh, Tom Cruise Cameron Diaz movie, Night and Day. They they chase scene right up that section, right on that street, right on that hill. Yeah. 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 Are you yes. joking? No, no, that's true. That's true. Like Ten years ago. Yeah. Oh, no, that makes story. so much sense now. Yes. When Hollywood looks for a place to shoot films, Melrose, that's the Melrose. first place they think of. You know, why not? Like robbing the banks downtown and Tom Cruise speeding Hell's Way East. What's little known fact, what's funny about that scene is for me is because it's supposed to be like in on what's called route, I believe I'm right about this. Maybe I'm wrong. But it's supposed to be like Route 28 in New Hampshire. That's what it's supposed to be. And I grew up on Route 28 in New Hampshire oh, <laughs> in my town. So uh, it doesn't look anything like that. <laughs> it's a bunch of strip malls. Anyway. Oh my goodness. So uh, we've talked about the schools uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The show and they, uh, they extended remote learning yeah. uh, for a week so that all the students could get tested. The tests came back. Um, looks like a little over a thousand people got tested between Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, looks like a total of three students did test positive and four adults. But right in the nick of time, as the teachers union, I, I guess, was expressing that they wanted a more comprehensive testing program or they wanted to go all remote, I guess the state announced that they are going to provide uh, a new testing program and they're going to do this, this pooled testing thing where we all put our yeah. swabs in the same jar and uh, <laughs> this is... <laughs> they shake it. Oh, well, they shake it together. <laughs> and they shake it together, and if it comes, if that jar comes out negative, then we're all off the hook. If it comes out positive, I don't know how they tell whose was positive. Yeah, I don't know. Tested, but uh, testing. I've been learning a little I'm bit. Not, I'm not putting my swab in there. Right. Um, I just want to add a little bit. Uh, I believe that the testing last week for students was was um, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. There were two more days. It was four days total, wasn't it? Oh, so we don't have all the results. We, we have we have half of that. So I think there were more like twenty something hundred people tested total. I think it's twenty four hundred students, uh, something like that total. And then the staff were tested as well. And again, it was an under one percent total positive rate, positivity rate. Yeah, that's that seemed pretty good to me. And I think part of that was maybe by design. When I watched a school committee meeting, Dr. Kuchenberger was trying to push the testing out, which is why she wanted the, them to go remote to, yeah. I guess, to have an, enough cases to catch enough from the holidays. But yeah. the other thing I saw in the patch, I'll tell you, that was interesting. Apparently, there's information out about hospital capacity in the area, and they had a bunch listed. But Melrose Wakefield, which has 190 beds, about 94% of those beds are used right now, and 23% are COVID cases or suspected COVID. And over at Winchester, we go there sometimes, uh, 214 beds, also 94% used with about 35% of them uh, uh, COVID or suspected COVID. So yeah, uh, it's getting serious out there. I think it's, it's been pretty, it's been pretty serious. This is why I just don't leave the house anymore. Right. 
So you, so Jeannie, you're working from home and uh, staying at home. Do you go out for a little uh, walk around Melrose, or what? What do you? I don't. So you know, after being like, I, I had this whole mythology about myself that I was a very sort of social person, and it turns out that's not really true. <laughs> I'm very happy to be puttering around at home and and being home and. You know, I just sort of take this pillow and I move it over there. And then <laughs> the next week I take the pillow and I move it over there and flip it around. And, and I'm, I seem to be oddly content to be doing that. I do leave to go food shopping and, and then I notice things. Uh, but, but otherwise, I've just been like very much a homebody. I know I should get out and get some air. Laying low. Yeah, I'm a, fan, I'm a fan of the fells, so I would suggest the hike in the fells is always always fun. I, yeah. I, I hear it's beautiful all times <laughs> of the year. Hey, so uh, one thing we wanted to move on to was uh, to spend a little bit of time in this show to talk about housing in Melrose. And I know that's something that, Gina, you have a background in. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that and then about some of these uh, efforts going on uh, in town. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. So, um, so I'm uh, participating uh, on the um, the advisory committee that's working with uh, with the city on the development of its housing production plan. Um, the city's working with um, the Metropolitan Area Planning uh, Council. This is, a, this is a regional planning organization that works with lots of cities and towns on a variety of issues and. Um, the uh, city of Melrose applied to the state and received a grant uh, to, uh, to do this housing production plan um, and is getting technical support from MAPC uh, to, to get that plan done. Um, so what is a housing production plan? Are we building houses or what, what is this? Question. Um, so the purpose of the plan is for the city to lay out goals and strategies around housing. Um, so where this comes out of is um, that there's, a, there's a, a, a law on the books, it's chapter 40B of the Master General Laws. And um, this is a law that was uh, put in place to um, create a, a way for cities and towns to um, be flexible in their zoning laws for the purpose of uh, zoning affordable housing in their communities. Um, and so, if you um, you know if, if you're doing a friendly 40B with a city or town, you're working together to sort of basically you're going to bypass the normal zoning laws um, in order to get your affordable housing project done. Um, now, it can also work in other ways. If a city or town does not have a certain amount of affordable housing in its housing stock, the, cut, the cutoff is 10% of its housing stock, needs to be affordable. If not, um, if a developer uh, gets an adverse zoning decision, they can appeal to the state. Um, I remember hearing. I remember hearing that around, uh, and I don't know a lot about it, but uh, we've talked about it before in the show. The Swains Pond development. I know that things. I keep hearing things bubble up and go away and whatever. So I assume that means Melrose does not meet the ten percent threshold. 
impressive. The whole city of Melrose. It, yeah. does not, it does not currently. It's closer to 8% right now. Um, and it's really not because there isn't a desire to, to get that done. Um, uh, I think in the example of Swain's Pond, um, the developer did appeal to the state. But, um, you know, that's, that site is, um, is it's not close to any public transportation. They were proposing a very large number of units um, for that site, which would have, you know, required a lot of, you know, parking to get anywhere from there. You'd have to, you know, drive to come and go. Um, and it's a, it's a difficult site um, because it's, it's full of ledge. But, you know, land has become so, so um, valuable. It's so hard to come by in large swaths where you can, you can put a development of any size that it becomes, you know, more um, desirable, more feasible to spend the money, you know, blow up the ledge to build the housing um, because, uh, because housing costs are so high, housing prices are so high, rents are, um, are high. They've been climbing. I think many Melrosians um, will attest to the fact that that housing costs have have gone up significantly. Um, and so, in that challenging scenario, what does affordable mean? You know, I guess assume I assume it means I'm either going to buy it or rent it for some kind of discounted price. But is that on the does the developer just eat that and not get that money? Does the government pay the close the get like how does that work um so it um the the term affordability actually is is defined by hud as you know if something is affordable to a household the household is not spending more than 30 percent of their income toward their housing cost and that is what's generally accepted and defined by hud housing and urban development as affordable um, so when you're talking about affordable housing, um, and I work in the, um, in multifamily rental affordable housing development, um, for us, we're usually targeting, um, households whose income is at or below 80% of the area median income. So what do I mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, again, HUD defines, um, you know, uh, th those uh, those uh, income uh, uh, those incomes are, are defined by certain uh, areas. And Melrose and lots of other communities are. We're in a pretty large region. We're in the we're in the Boston, Cambridge, Quincy metro area. Pretty large. Um, <laughs> okay, and um, so, uh, you know, there, there's a formula to figure out like what the median income is for um, households of different sizes in, within those regions. And in the Boston metro region, huh. it's about $119,000 for, for a family of four. So 80% of that Again, this is roughly speaking. There, you know, if you were really doing this at home, folks, you would you would have a a, a way of calculating sort of what's what's in and what's out of that. But so, uh, low income would be eighty percent of median. 
so I need I, I need to play the Ellen Page character from the movie Inception here and, and be the one who's totally confused all the time. Wait a minute, what's going on? <laughs> That's how I feel. So um, does that mean that 10% of Melrose's housing has to be 80% of its median income and that's it? Or is there like stages of, of household incomes? Is there like an 80% bracket and then a 70% bracket? Or, or like, is it like, what's the, what's not happening that needs to happen, I guess, as part okay. of that? Pretend so, we don't know anything about pretend this. I don't, imagine that I don't know anything. I do, but imagine. <laughs> in a village. It's got a hundred units in it. You want 10 of those units to be affordable to households whose income is at or below 80% of the area median income okay. so, so that they are not paying more right. than 30% of their income toward their housing. Yeah. Now, how that gets done is far more complicated. Right. Um, this so, is what we, sorry about that, but I was... <laughs> I'm telling you, get your abacus out because there's a lot of math. Um, but, um, you know, um, the developer is not just collecting an income, just the portion um, that the household can pay, typically. Yeah. Typically, there's a whole array of programs and subsidies right. that go into um, a project in order to make it affordable. So it's so it's not as simple as the rent's a thousand dollars a month. Thirty uh, percent of my income is seven hundred dollars a month, and uh, somebody just writes a check for the other three hundred. This has to be baked into a whole complex formula of this development so, scenario. So I'm I'm going to steer us away from formulas if I. Could. <laughs> I think every formula we add to the conversation, we're going to be people like. Uh, um, no formulas. Think recipes. Yeah. Think yeah. think wedding cake. Right. Think of a cake with lots of layers, and the so, kind of thing that you described, a rental subsidy, can definitely be one of the layers in the cake. Yeah. But there can be lots of other layers. So what's Melrose supposed to do as a city? If uh, we're at eight percent, we want to be at ten percent, so that developers don't you know, go into the state and get approval to override our, our local preferences. What does the city of Melrose do to encourage this to happen to get us from 8% to 10%? Right, so, so the city is being proactive by working to develop a housing production plan. So this is, um, this is actually really, it's, a, it's um, they, they're putting in place um, a really terrific process. It began in the fall. Um, Working with MAPC, uh, we uh, put together recommendations for ways to engage the community. Um, since we started in the fall, we um, we have got an online open house where we encourage Melroseans to go on, and you can fill in a um, take a survey, um, and you know get, have some input in. Uh, and get your, we'd like to get your thoughts through the survey about what you see as the needs. Um, we've also had um, an online uh, webinar um, where we presented some interesting demographic information 
Um, the, the city staff and MAPC have been working to, to gather. Um, and it's been pretty eye-opening for some people um, to learn certain things about the community. Um, for example, like, you know, like a, a third of uh, Melrosians are renters, yeah. actually. You know, that was surprising to some people. Yeah, I didn't um, know. So, so, so uh, the, the effort to get from 8% to 10%, as Tom pointed out a minute ago, yeah. is, that, is that only with new developments being built? Can you retroactively assign existing properties to become part of that to help make that gap of 2%? Like, what is it that needs to happen to get us from 8% to 10%? So, um, so we would use the plan to put in place some, some strategies for meeting our affordable housing goals. Right. Um, and, you know, affordable housing really, it needs to be deed restricted. It has to, in order to, you know, you can't just sort of go back and sort of declare this affordable. I declare you affordable. Um, that's not really the way it works. So uh, what, what the city uh, can do is work with developers, look for opportunities, um, use multiple, you know, tools in the toolbox to help um, add affordable units um, through a variety of, of, of ways. Um, and these would be units that are affordable as we discussed for the long term. And they would be deed restricted as such so okay. um, that the state would recognize them as being affordable um, and therefore meeting a 10% requirement. Okay. Cool. How'd you get, how'd you get involved uh, in this, uh, in this project in Melrose? Um, well, you know, I think um, there are folks in town who, who uh, just know that I, I, I'm in this line of business. And, uh, and actually, I, I work for a company called um, Beacon Communities. Um, they're, they're owners, developers, um, and managers of affordable housing. We've got like 18,000 units of affordable housing in like 13 states. Um, I'd like to think that we're very, we're very good at it. Um, we recently acquired um, Cephalo on West Wyoming, uh, which is a beautiful um development it's it's uh housing for the elderly um and uh you know we're we're very proud to be relatively new owners of that community and um but we have lots of communities and lots of places so i've been working with them for a long time yeah so tell us again real quick um in in, in a final minute or so uh so you're on a committee and there's a plan that's being produced so this coming year is when you'll be meeting and there's also going to be some public uh, opportunities to have input to learn more about it. But there's a plan that's being built, correct? A plan is being built and there yeah. will be more opportunities for community input. We'll have focus groups. I want to encourage people to get involved, log on to the Melrose website um, and, and check out what's going on in the planning department. Go on MAPP.org and look for the Melrose uh, uh, Housing Production Plan. And uh, I want to encourage in particular seniors and people of color to get involved. We'd like to hear more from, from those folks. So, but I hope everyone will, will participate. Great. Great. I, I think what we might need to do, Tom, you remember on ranked choice voting, 
did uh, voting for the top. <laughs> I think we have to demystify this. Uh, you know, what is affordable housing? Maybe we can create an affordable housing drinking game or something. Movie titles, because the movies worked well last time. Yeah. Sure. I'm waiting for affordable housing, the movie, to come out. Ah, right. Yes, we'll watch that. Okay. All right. Well, Gina, thanks so much for joining us tonight, uh, being a co-host of the show and educating us, uh, hard as it might be. <laughs> Uh, about this and uh, thank you for just uh, being a great Melroseian and contributing uh, to, to support the area because you know I you're busy night and day and it's great I mentioned Jeff Parenti before you now there's other people that step up and share their expertise to make Melrose a better place for everyone so we uh, we right. applaud that it's important and very helpful thank you so much hey Tom Gina yes. let me ask you a question have you ever in your life danced to your own song I have to admit, I, I may have. All right. Well, have. it's going to happen again on TV right now. So. <laughs> she, dances, she dances while she sings it. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. right. And with that, everybody, we're out. We will see you around town. See you around town.